Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. I'm joined as always by my guys, Josh and Caleb. Once again, we have the pleasure of having Mr. Tim Schneider going along with us for the playoffs. You're here for the playoffs, aren't I'm you? I'm ready. I'm Let's ready for go. it, man. Let's go. We got a full house, four guys ready to talk about this wild, wild, wild card weekend that it was. Very few upsets, but I got to be honest, guys. <sighs> I don't want to start off by talking about it, but my heart is broken. If you know me, you know why. Let's 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 get away. It's too soon. Let's talk about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Joe Burrow Bengals. Anybody want it? Josh can take it. I know you got. Listen, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. <laughs> you guys are not exactly Joe Burrow fans. All right, Tim, I'm going to exclude us for a second. You guys, um, but they beat the Raiders 26 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't. <laughs> well, know it wasn't the, pretty. Where's the Joe Burrow hate coming from? I don't hate the. I don't hate the talent. I just don't exactly like the player. Why? Unpack it. Tell me why. You just don't believe. I don't believe in the Bengals. I'm surprised. Well, he I, I plays just, the. I, I believe in the talent. I don't believe in the I'll player. Break, I'll break it down for you. Uh, okay. Here, he please pl- do. He plays the. I came from nothing. Look at me. Just a guy from a neighborhood type of guy. When his dad was a a player and a coach at some point in his okay. life, so he's not just an average Joe. He's, he's not, not an average Joe at all. Okay. He didn't grow I up like in the that. low income household. Like, like he acts like he came from nothing. Okay, now it's we, just annoying. We've mentioned it on the podcast many times because I think Tim and I we're not in the same boat, so we're just we're we're jumping on y'all. Also, the chase like is chase it, it, unpack that. Somebody. Jamar Chase. We I I think he's a good receiver. Okay. I don't like play. That's why I don't like Joe Burrow as well. And why I didn't like Sam Darnold and a few other players. Mm-hmm. When they come out of college and people already dub them the king, they, they compare Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow to Peyton Manning. Oh, and they gosh. compare Jamar Chase to Randy Moss. It's like, mm-hmm. can they just be good players and not be compared to the best ever? And I just hate when people compare people to that. And they said he has generational hands, which clearly doesn't because oh. he does drop a lot of balls. He's a great deep threat in the league. He's a yeah. good receiver. He's not Randy Moss or DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I just hate that people compare that quick. So it's really the overhype that you hate. It's the overhype, and then people are like, he has to be the rookie of the year because he's he's Randy Moss. While and, we're talking about it, you have the same type of sensation for another young quarterback in our league that you have the same anxiety about. Plays Josh in, Allen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> same reason? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what is it going to take for you guys to buy into Burrow and Allen and Chase? Uh, Burrow, I know he's a good quarterback. Yep. He's just not Peyton Manning. Not yet. I and mean, he's very, and he's never. overconfident. A little cocky? Yep. He's had a good stretch with his receiver from but college. Are most good quarterbacks uh, a little cocky? No. Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> no, not all of them. <laughs> not all Mahomes of them. Mahomes is kind of annoyingly cocky, but he's not over cocky. Okay. Um, Tom Brady, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> um, I think arrogance comes with confidence <laughs> Matt Stafford in the position. doesn't talk at all. Okay. He's always been a top 10 guy. Okay, I was just curious. I want our listeners to know what I already. I'm know. not just a hater. Yeah, I mean Josh Allen has had over a 55 percent completion percentage one time in his life, and that was last year. And people act like he's very consistent. He's not. He's getting better. He's not consistent, but he's good. Josh Allen's getting better. His highs and lows. His lows will kill you, and his highs are the best in the league. Yeah. Argument. Would you agree he's getting better than he was when he started? I mean, obviously. Okay. He's better than he was his rookie year. And Burrow arguably could be comeback player of the year. He's had a sensational season. And I'll take the flip side of it. I, I agree <laughs> with, with what you're saying, but I also see just big picture for the league. You have these guys like Brady and Rodgers and Roethlisberger who are on their way out. There's a lot of excitement about, you know, and th- this was where we were 15 years ago when those guys came into the league. Like, yeah. huh, you know, they're not, they're not top three players at this point. Obviously, top five players, but uh, they're not top five players, I should say. But I think just big picture as NFL fans, there's got to be some excitement of like, all right, there's some passing of the torch. There are some really good quarterbacks with the potential to be 
leaders down the road. I'm, you know, I try, I pride myself on being the type of fan that is realistic and open and listening and not just a meatball fan. Uh, we had the luxury of having some meatball fans that are friends of ours, and we had a dialogue about how many teams need quarterbacks. Mm. I agree with you, Tim. I think this is an unprecedented year because in the past, you go back to any you know generation that we're old enough that we've seen a couple maybe, there's only really four or five teams that are actively looking, three or four teams for a quarterback on paper. Now, we know there's a few more that need a quarterback, let's right. be honest. Like the Browns aren't openly saying we're done, but there's a good chance they're done with, you know, right. with Baker. My point is, when have we ever seen a season or a, a time frame in the NFL where most of the teams have a quarterback yeah. or at least not looking for one? So, I think quarterback talent is great. That said, go ahead. You you Yeah, my point. last point on Joe Burrow. <laughs> he he's a good quarterback. Yep. He's going to grow into probably a better quarterback than he is. Love it. I just don't like let people grow. Yeah. Don't put them at their cap automatically because yeah. yep. he's going to be a disappointment. I yeah. think he's closer to Matt Ryan right now okay. than Peyton Manning. He's a good quarterback. Which, for the record, if he finished his career like Matt Ryan, he's, he's probably a Hall of Fame no, He's a franchise right. quarterback. Yeah. There's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. He's just not the king. Yeah. Yes. I got you. The problem's also recency because we saw Justin Herbert clearly last year should have been the first overall pick right. based off of a redraft. Mm-hmm. He was a clear number one. And then this year came into the year the same way. But towards the end of the year, people were like, oh, Joe Burrow's clearly better than him now, despite Justin Herbert having nearly 5,100 yards and 40 touchdowns, joining the 5,000 crew. People are now putting Joe Burrow wide o- right over him again. So so Herbert, if we go around the table, anyone, in, in, if we have a, a, Herbert's a championship game in our backyard and you get one of those guys, you taking Herbert or Burrow? Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, I'm taking Herbert. Herbert. All day long. Yeah, That's absolutely. the old he's, for he's, years. He's a better athlete. Absolutely. There's for nothing bad against Burrow. Yeah. He's just a better athlete. Right. And I've said that for years, Tim. I've always – these boys have asked me many times in life, Dad, if you could pick one quarterback out of history, you know, to go in the backyard and win a game. Brett Favre. I'm thinking Brett Favre. <laughs> right. Because yeah. he's scrappy and he's right. funny and he's going to, you know, yeah. for a lot of the intangibles. you agree? Yeah. Oh, I, I do. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, the Raiders weren't quite themselves. Waller's not himself, for sure. Waller has He's a, been hurt all year. Yeah, and he's not contributing the way that he can, for sure. But, I mean, obviously he'll bounce back. What was the real story behind this game? I think it was just consistency from the Bengals. We saw turnovers from the Raiders. Obviously, the Bengals created those. But there was a couple of passes that a car was a little desperate on deep down the field, turning interceptions as well as a fumble on the blind side. The Bengals just had more turnovers and were consistent throughout the whole game. I think Raiders had a little bit more highs, but they couldn't consistently do it through the whole game. I dare to say that this was actually the best game of the weekend, which yeah, I, I did yeah. not think that. Because <laughs> yeah, both, both teams, you, you can't sit here and knock the Raiders right now or or, or knock the Bengals. They both were very competitive. Were either one going to be Super Bowl contenders? Probably not, but but at least they put on a good show and it was it kept great TV right up to yeah, the was, final second. It was fairly matched, I think, for the most part. If if they didn't get that fumble early early in the game, the Bengals it probably would have been that whistle. Yeah, it probably would have been um, the world. probably been a lot more dramatic towards the end, I think. And it was also one of Josh Jacobs' best games of the year too, which is fun to see. Yeah, and I think we talked last week. The question was, and we don't have to unpack it here, but one of the questions was which franchise would be most devastated with a first-round loss. Mm. Um, I mean, the Raiders really took this one hard, as if they really, really, really thought they were going to pull this one off. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that we did. I mean, it's hard to go into the Bengals stadium when all their starters essentially had a bye week. They didn't play last week. With an interim head coach, with no wide receiver core, arguably, with a banged-up tight end that's your best player and relying on a running back that's inconsistent i mean it's a hard thing to do to go in there and win but they 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 played pretty good 26 19 it's not as bad as i thought it would be i picked the raiders to win just because i like Derek carr but it was a close game 
Yeah, I like what Tim said. It's probably one of the more competitive games. At least sometimes these games are unwatchable. I mean, you look at the score; it's it's the most competitive game. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't really want to unpack these next three games. We'll comment because they're they're not worth unpacking. The truth is, this is what it looks like when seven seeds come in. Mm-hmm. But you know, on Sunday we got to watch the Bucks absolutely destroy the Eagles. It was a slow start for them, but they got rolling. We also got to see the Chiefs roll over Pittsburgh. That was another train wreck. I mean, it was just clearly seven seeds looking like seven seeds. The biggest surprise blowout was the Bills over the Patriots. I lone wolfed it. You did lone wolf it. Because <laughs> we were, for some reason, all yeah. blinded by the Belichick coaching. Yep. But, uh, like I said, the, the, the Bills were able to take care of the Patriots, 47-17. Very unexpected, in my opinion. Kudos to the Bills. I think uh, more or less just betting on the type of Bills play that we got the last time yeah. they played, which was Mac Jones passing for three yards yeah. or whatever and beating the Bills. <laughs> so that's kind of what I expected more of. But we saw the best Bills game of the yeah. year. And you missed the commentary in this house, although it was hilarious because I kept getting judged. I wanted to see Mac Jones go into beast mode. Uh-huh. And Josh kept saying, I don't know he's capable of a beast mode. I don't think he mode. knows what that is. Perfect game, though. Perfect game. Yeah. Literally, every drive they went down and scored a touchdown. I mean, that's that's got to be one of the best performances, not not just of this weekend, but ever. I mean, that that's absolutely phenomenal. Against so, Bill Belichick. Against Bill Belichick. Yeah. So I'm, I know we'll get to it in a little bit, but I'm so excited to see how that translates this coming weekend. Yeah, I mean, and to recap, uh, like I said, the Bucks take care of the Eagles 31-15. Kansas City over the Steelers, forty-two to twenty-one, and then the unexpected Bills, forty-seven to seventeen. The crazy thing is, like I said, the Bucks got off to a slow start and then just rolled it. Eagles were never in sync. Same with the uh, Chiefs. Initially, it looked like yeah, they're scoring, they're scoring, but maybe, maybe, and then they just blew it out. Yeah, the Eagles looked like Nick Sirianni just got outcoached on every level. He wasn't opening up the playbook at all. It seemed there's a lot of checkdowns, a lot yeah. of weird stuff. I mean. Throwing to your running backs almost every play. They don't, I think Devontae Smith had three targets in the first half, which is not what you do with your best target. Yeah. It's, it was just terrible coaching, on my, in, in my opinion. But uh, Bruce Arians coached very well, obviously, and outcoached the, the rookie coach. Yeah. I, I just don't think Jalen Hurts played very well in no. this game. You saw plenty of plays. They kept talking about it, where there's plenty of plays down the field, especially with Quez Watkins, where there were touchdowns available if Jalen Hurts saw it. Obviously, he's very mobile, so he had the possibility to spread out and actually hit him down the field, but he did not. There's also a lot of uh, problems on special teams on returns. Basically, Jalen Rager or the other return men would get hit immediately, and there was no block set up ever, so they couldn't get any additional yardage on returns. Yeah, yeah they got um, Jalen Rager a pick before Justin Jefferson went to the Vikings, so mm-hmm. it kind of <laughs> hurts more and more, especially after seeing that muff punt. Well, let me ask the three of you. I'm going to ask the same question for these three losses. What do the losing teams need to do, or what's their takeaway? For example... Whoever wants to jump in, just grab one. But the Eagles, what's something that they need to do better the next time they get in this situation or that they didn't do well or really what was their downfall, I should say? Who wants the Eagles? I could take the Eagles. I think um, Nick Sirianni needs to not play small ball early. Try to take shots early yeah. and actually have your quarterback look down the field, which oh, he wasn't doing. No. So I guess it's more of a coaching and having a second-year quasi-rookie quarterback in there because he didn't play a full yeah. year last year. And just to add on, if I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, I was probably going crazy sitting home going, <laughs> man, we could have taken them. We, we should be in here, man. We would have been much more competitive. But, yeah, I agree with you about the Eagles. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the thing. I keep saying it because, you know, being a Cowboys fan, I get a lot of Eagles fans assume that I'm going to hate on their team. I like the coach, you know. I, I'm, I'm always that three-year guy. Let's see what he does in three years. And, you know, so far year one to me is a rebuilding year. They make the playoffs. They don't necessarily fight for the division yet, but they make the playoffs. 
in a rebuilding year. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And your and team, they led the league in rushing yards. Well, we know that's inflated because it's a quarterback adding to that. But still for sure, it. yeah, it's, they still did it. So let's move to one of the other teams. Like I said, Pittsburgh. What's Pittsburgh doing wrong? What is their takeaway? What do they got to do to well, get sorry, better? Let's go back to the Eagles very quickly. Yeah. To add on to their rushing game, we look at the defense that they're playing, right. who completely got healthy in this week. Prior to the weeks at the end of the regular season, they're completely healthy now against the number one rushing team. So they forced Jalen Hurts to throw in this game. They could not run at all. And you get to see what happens when he's actually forced to play quarterback as in yeah. throw the ball. I'd say kudos to, to Bowles because their defensive scheme had safeties up a lot and putting pressure. And when you can get your safeties involved in the run game, that means you don't believe in their pass game at all. Yeah, and I think it's a, a similar problem what they did earlier in the regular season when they played them too. So it's, it's basically the same thing, I think. But you're saying the Bucks defense is now fully healthy? For the most part. There's a couple pieces on secondary missing, but their linebackers – Best players in the defense, I think, are finally back. The strength of it. Okay, so Steelers, we mentioned that, that again, we know Big uh, Ben is likely out. We're going to talk more about that in another segment. But in general, what do the Steelers need to do to be a competitive playoff team? Yeah, I think Mike Tomlin uh, touched on it a little bit today and just the, the need for mobility at the quarterback position. You look at most of these teams, they have mobile quarterbacks. It's not it's not yeah. the future, it's now. It's it, To be competitive, you've got to have – you know, you don't have to necessarily be Mahomes, but you've got to be able to move. Um, their defense needs to be reworked as well. I mean, giving up, they, they they held them scoreless for the first quarter and a half, and then with the last seven minutes in the half, they gave up 21 points. Oof. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, well, it's Matt Canada's first year as the OC there, so it's, he's kind of developing as a coordinator still i guess but you don't necessarily have to have a mobile quarterback just a mobile offense because look at the Bengals and the 49ers and the patriots even and the rams who don't have a mobile quarterback they have a a very mobile offense their Mm -hmm. offense moves around there's a lot of movement going on a lot of players and play the steelers are kind of one-dimensional i know they checked down to Najee harris a ton he had the most touches as a rookie i think all time as a running back but it's just not a mobile offense. It's very predictable, and that's their problem. As Big Ben is old, and it has to be one-dimensional, so any type of quarterback and kind of changing that offensive scheme a little bit would be good for them. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's the small things for the Steelers as well. You look when they got or when they won the uh, the coin toss and they did not defer. And we know that's a problem because they have not scored in the first half of a game other than twice, two or three times this year. That's a big problem. I think you want to defer to go to the second half and start off with the ball instead of immediately going in, which you know has been a bad spot for you. As well as the uh, no huddle offense, we know this is the best, the best where uh, Big Ben produces the most, and they do not do it other than towards the end of the game, kind of like a desperation mm-hmm. catch up thing where they do end up scoring their most points. So it's kind of sad to see that they don't actually use that for most of the game. We're not going to know anymore because Big Ben's likely gone. He's done. But they should, I think, they should have gone no huddle more and actually deferred at the beginning. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that the last two great, great quarterbacks that we've seen go out went out kind of slowly, and I mean Peyton Manning. And Ben Roberts, where we got to watch them slowly decline Phillip during Rivers the course. As well. Yeah, but he was still gunslinging, man. He he lost a step, but he wasn't. You well, know, Drew Brees pe- kind of fell off too, uh, yeah. but not enough. Like but they we, did, they did win the division with Brees, though. I know, but th- we didn't watch those two guys hit a wall. We watched, literally, watched Big Ben look like a different player this year. And and Peyton's last year, he was struggling to throw a spiral. Well, luckily, on a he had 10 a, yard out. He had a Super Bowl mm-hmm. defense to carry him. Yeah, too. no yeah. doubt. So it's kind of those two. I keep thinking of Peyton and Ben. If you were again, I use this analogy all the time. But if you're an alien watching the game for the first time. They're not the players that they used to be, whereas Rivers and Drew Brees kind of held on to it a little bit and showed flashes. I think we were all dreaming that Big Ben, if you're a Steelers fan, I mean, I root for him. We're dreaming that he comes in there and he has a little well, yeah. magic left. You can't, know? can't you think it's kind of easier to 
go to the shorter passing game for yeah. a Rivers or a Breeze versus the Sheriff and Big Ben, who've been throwing down the field the whole as career? A, as an older guy, um, I know if I try to throw, and I'm not a quarterback, obviously, but if I try to throw a ball really hard, I feel it the next day. Yeah. So I can't imagine these right. guys, you know, who are getting into their 40s almost. Well, I guess what I'm saying is we saw Big Ben try to move into that small ball yeah. offense, kind of dumping it off, no. get let your players do everything. It doesn't work because he has never done that. Until yeah. this year, for the most part, what we saw, which was and abysmal. he has a drama queen receiver who has to jump into every catch, mm. and you know with Chase, he's <laughs> like, I don't understand. Just plant your feet and make right, the catch. Exactly. What are then you he, doing? Buddy? Then he's got a, a stone hands that fifty percent of the time feels right. like he's not going to catch it, and then there's Juju, so he doesn't have a lot of people out there helping him for sure. Uh, the Patriots. I mean, this was a surprise. I really thought a Belichick coach team, and you got to love the coach. His his press conferences are short now and sweet, and <laughs> he's pretty much like. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm not talking to you. Uh, what do they need to do? Because I don't think this is their most talented roster, for sure. They've had more talent in the past. But he really got it done with this, short of this blowout. But regular season looked pretty good. Playoffs, not so much. What do the Bills need to do different? You mean the Patriots? The Patriots. Yeah. I think that you're thinking Bill Belichick. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mac Jones needs to have more time. He looked really good as a rookie. He would have been Rookie of the Year if Jamar Chase didn't have so many yards, which kudos to him and you say that knowing he led the league in release like he was one of the fastest release under pressure in the nfl they claim yeah so that means he's getting pressured a lot as a rookie Mac that, Jones, mean, that means he's using the system very well because yes. that's that's the whole the system you bait in the linebackers and you check down yeah free first down that's what tom brady lived off of my there. favorite one was when he was throwing against the colts and he's not even looking at leonard at all like he's literally looking yep. and then he throws right to leonard and when he looks over you see it in slow motion he's like Oh, no. Like, you see the yep. terror in his eyes. Like, how did he read that? Because I wasn't even looking at him. But that's a veteran and a whole different story there. But Yeah, well, Mac Jones, I think they just need more time. Their offense is pretty good. They're one of the best rushing offenses in the league. I think they're top five with Damian Harris and Ramondre, who's also a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think they just need time and Bill Belichick just to kind of get them in that flow. They played really well, considering they came second in their division, which is very good, considering yeah. the Bills are so hot. A game behind the Bills. Yeah, and remember where we were about four or five weeks ago, all the so-called experts were calling the, the New England Patriots a top team in the NFL. So, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good for a young for a young team. So I agree, yeah. out of the three teams we talked about, they have the least work to do, but there's still work to be done. Yeah, and I think they need to bring in a couple more weapons for Mac Jones. I know it's yeah. crazy to say, but no, Jacoby Myers is not efficient enough. He's, he doesn't score enough touchdowns. He's he's like he moves the sticks, but not as consistent as you want as a number one wide receiver. Kendrick Bourne was very good as a bring in, and as well as Hunter Henry. But I mean, Nikhil Harry's got to go. Wilkerson, I don't even know. I don't I don't remember what his full name is. He came into the game <laughs> two weeks ago and had two touchdowns immediately while benching Nikhil Harry. So that's a problem, obviously there. I, they just need a number one wide receiver for Matt Jones. I could Jones see them making a move for like a Christian yeah. Kirk or someone who's a free mm-hmm. agent next year. I think a, another move is possibly Mike Williams. I don't think I don't think the Chargers gonna be able to pay up for Mike Williams, especially what he did earlier in the season. You get to pair up Mike Williams with Hunter Henry again in this offense, too. They just need an alpha. They don't really have yep, that right now. Because right. don't you think a big part of this game, and I'm, there are no excuses. The Bills had them you know, from, from the start. The drops, there were some noticeable big game touchdown drops that were just unexplainable. Yeah, and that's being a young team. I think yeah. you know we're so used to the Patriots being there all the time, and we go, "Oh, they're the veteran team." They're the-. no, they're not. They're not. They're they're a newly formed team, and so I think Caleb hit the nail on the head. Um, just, yeah, it, they need some time to to rebuild to jail. Yeah, I totally agree. And yep. Josh Allen, this is their third year doing this. Yeah, in negative four degrees at home yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, they're used to that. Yeah, even though they said he complained about not feeling good in the cold, he did fine in the cold. And to be honest, you don't get any more cold weather team. 
potentially the New England yeah. and Bills, the only other cold weather team I yeah, think, think of. Just would more be time, the Packers, more you know? time for Mac Jones because he was down south for three, three and a half years in yeah. Alabama. So give him a little more time to get used to that weather. I think I know that's yeah. a dumb excuse, but no, no. it plays a big factor into it. I think the surprise we'll go into the last two games is I didn't have a good feeling about the 49ers playing Dallas. Um, not yeah, sure why. Maybe I'm the I just, only one that picked them last week. Yeah, I don't know why I don't have any faith in my Cowboys. It's disappointing. Um, I don't have any excuses. I don't want to make any excuses at all. You know, obviously the clock management at the end is weird. Uh, I know the rule, but at the same time, I mean, what we know a referee has to grab the ball. Dallas shouldn't be in a situation to have to win like that. I feel like, and, and then you guys take over from here, San Francisco wins 23-17. If you didn't catch the game, somehow Dallas had a chance to drive with no time, no timeouts down the field, and Dak Prescott decided to run, and he got a, a huge gain, but there wasn't enough time for an official to, to spot the ball and then to spike the ball. Yeah, I think I have a problem with the run, even though I know Mike McCarthy and Dak said this was this is what they wrote the play up for, mm-hmm. and it, it was the best play. It got a lot of yards on the play. Yeah, it did. But the problem was is the first or three passes before then, they got like 50 yards yeah. in 10 seconds on the sideline passes. They didn't burn much time. They had plenty of time. They had 20 seconds or so, yeah. and they were doing really well in the passing game, and they just decided to run. I'll, I'll, let me get my complaints out of the way, and then I'll, I know Cowboy fans <laughs> are going to get mad at me. I feel like we were we shouldn't be the most – penalized team in the league because i feel like some of the plays that are away from the ball just let it go we know they hold on every play we know there's there's violations on every play it's really what the officials choose i feel like we got penalized to death all season not just this one and i feel a little victimized i'm being a little bitter (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like on all the penalties penalties they did call they they should be penalties yeah like if if they called it, you shouldn't be mad. But to the extent they've called them, as you said, a penalty basically happens on every play. Yeah. Don't call it every play. And yeah. it seemed like that's what they were doing, even though they could be justified yeah, as Even penalties. when they're not even on screen. Like, where is that penalty? Always, right. you know. Yeah, there's one play I know. It was um, Randall Gregory. He had his foot over the line, which was a neutral zone infraction, yeah. but he didn't jump early. It didn't get, gave him no benefit. Right. Yeah. I understand calling it, but it's the first drive of the game. Yeah. It's kind of silly to give someone 10 free yards for that. Well. And I understand I'm, if he jumped early and sacked the quarterback or something right. crazy, yeah. but he he was late anyway. Like he and, didn't do anything. Something to add with that is Trent Williams on the left side of the offensive line. He also like rotates his left foot while he's right. standing there. So there's reason for a defensive end to move while playing against Trent Williams, yeah. which I, seems to happen every single game. I remember, you know, in the years I did play at lower level football, even then your referee will typically tell you either before or after you do it. He will kind of help you, like, all right, son, you got to stay out of that neutral zone, or hey, son. Quit pulling on the guy. I'm gonna I throw understand that. it's professional sports here. But they talk to these refs. They know these refs but by name. But when it doesn't affect the play, Don't why call are you calling it right. three yeah, times in right. a game? And in fairness, like we go back to week one, and I'm not I'm not keeping score here, but like Godwin clearly pushed our guy to the ground, and that set up the field goal. And I'm glad they won that game because it gave us momentum throughout the season. But from week one, you know, yeah. we're getting or not getting calls. We? Speaking of French, Cowboys. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it, that's disheartening. I, I'm with you guys. I'd rather see, and I was told, you know, read that the referees aren't going to that we don't want to be a determining factor in the game. Well, you you are well, in most the, of the, our games. The refs that officiated the Raiders Bengals game are no longer doing them for the playoffs. Right. See, and and that's kind so of there point. is so, kind of something there, but um, I think it's just over officiating in a lot of places. Yeah. With the Raiders game, they kind of did blow that one call, right. which was kind of altering before halftime. But but we're seeing more and more games. We saw it all weekend. Uh, and then I'm going to get off my rant because there's no excuse for us losing. We lost. But th- we've seen more and more games where a receiver can't lift his arm to make a catch because it's being held down by a defender and there's no flag. And that's blatant pass interference. So I just want to see the NFL for the sake of the NFL 
for the sake of Fairweather fans, because I'm a diehard fan and it makes me mad. But Fairweather fans are watching this stuff going, what in the heck, you know? So, Tim, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as no skin in the game, not a Dallas <laughs> fan, no no 49er fan. Dallas clearly has the better roster, clearly is more talented. I just felt in watching the entire game, you know, the penalties hurt. Obviously, it, it felt like Dallas just unfortunately did not pick a bad time to come out with not their best game. They yeah. didn't play a terrible mm-hmm. game. They really didn't. But just... Nothing made, not one facet of the game, not their special teams, offense, or defense made you go, wow, they're on fire today. (laughs) Whereas if I felt like even one of those three facets would have have been clicking like just their A game, they are the better team. I feel like it's one of those situations... Fortunately, there's no redos in playoffs. But, you know, you play each other 10 times. I think Dallas beats San Fran eight out of those 10 times. I mm. really do. But this is just one of those games. Because San Francisco wasn't perfect either, let's be honest. But um, No, and, and you could tell our defensive scheme was to get Kittle out of the game. Right, exactly. And we did. Yep, I mean, I'm, that's and Debo good. had 200 yards. <laughs> well, you can only put a ball. You know, right. I'll say this, and tell me, Kim, I know you have something to add, but is it me or is the reason Jimmy Gar- uh, Garoppolo is leaving is – Quite frankly, because they should have been up thirty-one nothing. I mean, he had guys dead to rights and overthrew them every single time. It goes back to what we're saying about the Steelers, how they need a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough in this offense because their whole offense is moving. Yeah, 20, they have so many twenty-three seventeen good. Enough. I'm saying they have so many assets in the offense yeah. you can't cover all of them. Right, that's what the Steelers lack. But I think the problem with this game was Kellen Moore's play calling on yes. the Cowboys. He's kind of stale. I would like to see Mike McCarthy be the one calling. The plays because Amen. you saw him in the Packers took him to the playoffs every single year deep I'll, in the playoffs. I'd love to see that on the Instagram. And put the, that on the, the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. was the year that Mike McCarthy called, called the, the entire yep. offense. I yep. think Kellen Moore he's just very predictable, and that we always thought that that was Jason Garrett. It was, but I think it, he has some Jason Garrett esqueness to him. If that's a yeah. word. Well, here's our question: <laughs> We're gonna throw on the Instagram for you guys. Are the Dallas Cowboys better off with their current? Offense coordinator, or should Mike McCarthy be calling the plays? I'd be curious to hear what our listeners yeah, the problem, think about I think that. people, for some reason, a lot of people don't like Mike McCarthy. I don't yeah. know what it is. I like him. I mean, he's one of the fourth most winningest coaches in the league mm-hmm. behind Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. I don't know what the hate is about. It's because he looks like an animated character, maybe? Butt Cluck <laughs> yeah. from uh, Chicken Little. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think Kellen Moore shouldn't be calling the offense. Okay, you look you at agree. The, you look at the offense, you go you go first down, it's a run up the middle, and if it's not a run up the middle, second down's a run up the middle. Yeah. It's very predictable. They're basically playing on one less play than normal. Right. Yeah. What what you said that when we were watching the games, and you made a comment explain this about creative running and what Dallas doesn't do. Well, exactly what the 49ers do every single play is exactly what the Cowboys do not do every Motion. single play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see basically Zeke's getting the ball straight up the middle. And uh, the biggest problem, you saw, as you're saying, by starting off the podcast, one play that isn't straight up the middle, he took for 10 yards going to the left mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. You give him an opportunity, you're, just, you're putting Zeke into the dirt every single yeah. time, getting no yards, wasting a play. And that's part, part of the one problems on this offense with Kellen Moore, as well as there was a play earlier where they had two linemen as receivers. And I believe Z- uh, D- uh, uh, Dak got sacked on that play yeah. while yeah. those two offensive linemen were not there. And to tag on to that, if you, I, I know they employ each other, but if you watch some of the Arizona Cardinals games earlier in this year, especially when they're hot, they were really hot, mm-hmm. every single snap was unpredictable. You didn't know where they were going, who was even taking mm-hmm. the snap at times. Every single play was creative. And Dallas has that potential. They have the playmakers. But like Josh just said, 
it was a very predictable offense. There wasn't one play where I went, wow, that was yeah. – I didn't see that coming. Yeah, and I think the thing that points to Kellen Moore is that they have been number one in yards, combined offensive yards, mm-hmm. the last two seasons. And I think it's kind of inflated when you look at the games that they had. I believe they scored about 100 points between the two games of the Eagles and the Washington football team, which they played in the final few weeks. That pushed their offense straight up to number one in terms of yards. And I think that's what people really point to when you look at Kellen Moore as when you're looking at the whole season instead of game by game. Yeah, I'm of the mindset that that McCarthy should be calling the offense. Um, I just think he was creative and innovative. One of the first calls I got uh, when Dallas actually signed McCarthy was this guy. Tim called and said, hey, man, congratulations. You're in good hands. Like, he's a great coach. I, I wish we hadn't let him go. Like, you know, not that your coach now isn't great. But, right now, yeah. um, you know, and he's earned it. He's been to the Super Bowl and he mm-hmm. won it. And that should give you a lot of street cred. But for whatever reason, um, and again, I'm going to make Cowboy fans mad. I'm on the forum today. They all want him fired. A lot of Cowboy fans are saying, get rid of Mike McCarthy here. Why? You know, why can't we swap him for this? Or, yeah, for who? Who are yeah, they we going to replace coping, him We were coping with Jason Garrett for eight years. I know. Right. I've heard all this stuff. Yeah. I've heard, get rid of him. I've heard, bring in um, Peyton from uh, the Saints. I've heard, promote the OC, promote the DC. Relax, here. okay? I mean, this is yeah, his second Quinn season. Because Dan Quinn was a great head coach. In, in hindsight, we, we had a, a rough year last year. COVID. Yeah. No preseason. Okay, I'll give that. And Dak went down. <laughs> right. in and Dak, so we right. have no way to evaluate his right. first year. He he makes the first adjustment by getting rid of Mike Nolan. Great. Brings in Dan, Dan Quinn. Quinn. Amazing. It's the best defense I've now seen. Now we go 12 and 5. Okay. Dallas had. Let me clear it. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> we go 12 and 5. We make the play. Now, a huge disappointing loss. I, I can't, you know. But at the end of the day, it's his really first full season as head coach, and he makes us better. So I don't understand the fandom. Yeah, and to look at the opposite side of that, if you see or how Kellen Moore is in the head coaching vacancies talk, how he's had interviews and stuff like that, you look at the inconsistencies that he's had as an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. what's he going to have as a head coach going to one of these lower-ranked teams that just lost their head coach? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, please call. <laughs> please. Please, please don't. take him off our hands. So, no. I want Trevor Save Lawrence Trevor to be good. Lawrence. All right. What about Chicago? No, no, don't do it. I want Justin Fields to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I want the league to do he well. He can go so. to Minnesota. There you yeah. Go. Somebody yeah. please I'll take agree him. to that. And Dan Quinn, you don't listen to this podcast, but let's pretend you did. Stay put, baby. We need you right where you are. Your bills are paid. Stay. Jerry, pay his bills. <laughs> Buy my house. That, Keep right. this guy. Because here's the other kicker. We have a ton of free agents that he brought in for one year that are his guys that know his system. We need you. Guys, keep it together. All right, final game. Uh, we had a Monday night, a rare Monday night game. Let me also say, thanks to Dallas's debacle, last season – Five out of six road teams won. This year, five out of six home teams win. So what a flip-flop we had. And the L.A. Rams held held suit. They won 34-11 over the Cardinals. Quite frankly, guys, what happened to Arizona? Home field advantage. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. Well, last year it didn't matter because there's, no, there's barely any fans at that time. Well, yeah. Well, now I think COVID. Rams, they're just firing it on, on all cylinders. Uh, Matt Stafford didn't have many turnovers. I think it was 11-17 or something crazy in this game. He barely had to throw the ball. Because of the defensive score they had, and their defense is really dominant. The run game was good. I think the first play of the game was a Sony Michelle like thirty-five yard run or something mm-hmm. that set the tone immediately. And then Arizona was just flat. That's all you could really say about it. Kyler Murray did not show up for this game. Their defense couldn't stop anything. Odo Beckham was hot. Matt Stafford was hot. I mean, it was just a good game all around for the Rams at home. The disturbing trend for the Cardinals, if you look at Cliff Kingsbury, is just the the hot starts, which is great, but the the I think. Uh, was it four of six they lost? Yeah. They lost four of six this season, um, five of seven last season at the end, five of their last seven, and then going back even when he was coaching in college, mm-hmm. um, just some starting hot. But I, I, 
again, young team, but they also have some vets that they brought in that, that should be not allowing that to happen. But like you said, I, I think we need to be talking more about how great the Rams look versus how bad the Cardinals are. Yeah, and we all know how Kyler Murray was in the MVP conversation. They started off 7-1, and one, and then after that 7-1 and one, uh, stretch, they lost DeAndre Hopkins. We saw with that stretch with DeAndre Hopkins to start out the year, 7-1, and one, they were number one in yards per attempt. They were one of the top offenses in the NFL, if not number one. And when DeAndre Hopkins left, as you're saying, four wins out of six or whatever, four and six, they did not do very well without him, and they did not do well in the playoffs, obviously. They're not getting the ball going at all without him in any of these games. That's why we saw 11 points scored in a playoff game. Not acceptable for a team when you have such high expectations like that. Did Zach Ertz play? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, you couldn't tell, though. They didn't utilize these people that they brought in, like we right. were talking about. Yeah. A.J. Green's old. He's been dropping balls yep. a lot lately, running the wrong routes this year. Didn't look good last night. Was, their offense just stale right now. I don't know what it is. It's mostly what Josh said with DeAndre Hopkins not playing, and James Conner was fighting through a few injuries this game. Just not a good showing overall. Yeah, it's also a problem when you have, you bring in Zach Ertz, who wasn't even on your team the whole offseason or half the season. He comes in and is the number one target when DeAndre Hopkins is out for the team. And I think a lot of it's chemistry because the Green's not a bad receiver. He's not washed up. I don't think any of that. He's out of sync. We saw the play we talked about on the podcast where – He's not even supposed to be a target, and yet Murray well, yeah. throws at him and then is mad at him right. that he's not even looking I, at the I, ball. I think Kyler gets a lot more antsy when he doesn't have old reliable on the left side. I think he, he runs around a lot more. He does yeah. dumb things more often. He is he's a third-year player. He's not as confident. Right. I, he's a third-year player, uh, and we're going to unpack this a little bit as we move on from this. So I, I want to talk more about Kyler Murray in the next segment. But at the end of the day, we now have a uh, coach coming into L.A., and he is suddenly now. McVay is now the winningest or tied for the winningest coach in L.A. Rams history. So despite them going to a Super Bowl before and, and all these things. Who's number one, Jeff Fisher? No, I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> You knew better than that. You're saying L.A. Rams? Yep. With just Or Rams. Listen. Semantics. <laughs> the Rams. Okay. He, he is there. Now he has the best, tied for the best playoff you know, winning percentage virtue of games of any other coach in Rams history. So kudos to him. I know he gets controversy, but I think he's a good coach. And the proof's in the pudding. Here they are beating up on the Cardinals. So we're going to unpack this a little bit more with a series of questions. I just want to ask you guys from the weekend and going forward, if I could, just a few questions. Uh, and before we do, I want to start off with a soundbite uh, because we're going to start talking a little bit more about the Cardinals. So we're going to dive in a little bit. So before we do, take a listen to this, and then I'll get your feedback on this as I ask the question. When you look back at this season, how much of a what if is it going to be for you? I mean, it was a massive failure. I mean, from what we were capable of doing and from what we showed we can do um, to, to, what, to today, um, there's no other way to describe it than as a failure. All right, so there's the man, Watt, came back from a, a, a series of being off for a few weeks for, you know, getting injured. So brings me to my first question. Should we be worried about the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, it's disturbing. <laughs> it's a disturbing trend because, you know, you, you want to see it go the other way. The teams, you, you know, you love the story where the teams start off a little bit slow and then they pull it together. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles story a little bit better. You know, they started yeah. off rough and they got their junk together as 49ers. the season went on. 49ers. Yeah, you like those stories. This is just disturbing from the standpoint of, 
you know, do you chalk it up to just the, the D-hop injury and go, eh, you know, maybe maybe they would have been fine. To go from being the number one team in football to first round out, um, I would be a little bit worried about just knowing exactly where they need to go in moving forward. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are huge Kyler Murray fans. Me, not so much, so I'll go last. But what are your thoughts? Should the, should the Cardinals be a little worried? I mean... <laughs> They had 12 wins this year, right? 12 or 11 double-digit wins. They made the playoffs. I think what Tim said, it is kind of scary to have like a seven-game win streak and then lose out and just be that that parody of a team and not consistent. I know that their best players hurt, but there are also other teams with their best players hurt, and they aren't this drastic of a change. Whew. I think Cliff Kingsbury is more to blame because of his inconsistency. And it, obviously Kyler Murray is not playing well, but I think it falls more back on the coach. It's different for every team because for, like, say the Browns, they kind of were hit or miss, and everyone blames Baker Mayfield. They don't really blame Stefanski. And then with the Vikings being hit or miss, they just blame the coach. It's different for every team. It's kind of hard to gauge, but I think Cliff Kingsbury, like Tim brought up in college, he's not a consistent coach. He hasn't. He's never been. So I think give it a few more years, but Cliff Kingsbury could be on the way out. I don't know. Kyler Murray needs something consistent if it is Cliff Kingsbury's fault. It's hard to diagnose, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm also going to say. I'm going to back Cliff Kingsbury is the problem. I think we saw when he came into the league even, they had one of the worst seasons ever, as well as in Cardinals history. They were very bad. They had Josh Rosen and immediately turned off to Kyler Murray the next year. Yeah. So, okay, maybe it was Josh Rosen in the offense. The offense improved, but their team did not improve that much. Right. And I think the problem is Cliff Kingsbury, he, I think he's hands-off on defense, so he brought in defense coordinator and their defense Vance is doing Joseph. well. Smart to do. Mm-hmm. But the offense, they get players, I think, Larry Fitzgerald fell off way too fast versus what the original coaches were bringing with Bruce mm-hmm. Arians. He just immediately fell off with Cliff Kingsbury and retired out of nowhere. And I think that you've seen that consistently with players in this offense. They got Roundell Moore, this explosive playmaker they could put wherever they want. They don't do that. They got Christian Kirk, who's great deep down the field, and they never do anything with Christian Kirk. A.J. Green is just a sideline receiver. There's no creativity in this offense with Cliff Kingsbury. That's basically all he's accountable for. And their offense, aside from the beginning of the seasons, have not been super explosive or anything like that, other than this fact that they have DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. That's that's the only thing that excites me about this team. Yeah. And I think if those players weren't on this offense, you replaced them with it's more flat. average players, they wouldn't be quite the same team at all or in playoff contention at all. Yeah, I think when you look back at Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury in college, he, he coached Baker Mayfield for one year and then he coached Mahomes for a year. And I think with those two guys, especially in college, you can rely on them. And you can't rely on a quarterback as much mm. in the NFL. You have to rely on your game plan, your scheme, and your offense as a whole. I think he's relying too much on Kyler Murray and him being so young and not having DeAndre Hopkins obviously exposes it more. You can't rely on Kyler Murray by himself right now. Yeah, and You I have f- to build up an offense around him. I feel like the consensus was that Cliff Kingsbury really wasn't that great of a coach. He was never that great, as we've been saying, in college or entering the NFL. And because the offense started improving and playing well and they were winning with Kyler Murray and Hopkins is that everyone kind of was okay with him being yeah. the head coach there. But now that they're doing bad yet again, everyone's saying, what, what's up with Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, I'm indifferent. I think what it's going to come down to because I am – I like to see mobile quarterbacks. I'm all for – we've been seeing this for years, right, Tim? Go all the way back to Randall Cunningham, into Steve Young, and into Mac 5 and all these guys. Hey, we got a running quarterback there. Run first, Mike Vick. They don't usually last, and they don't usually make good passers, and bad passers don't usually win games. We see that. So I'm not opposed to this new generation of everybody's mobile. I actually kind of like it. But that said, and Josh can tell you, so many times I watch him throw, 
very Favre-like, into coverage, go up and get it type stuff, and the receiver, especially Hop, bails him out. Dumb throws. Just dumb throws. And I don't know if, if he just likes taking chances or if the coach doesn't care. But I'll, I'll narrow it down to this. He didn't do much for a game that needs to get him another contract. That's for sure. And aside from that, or addition to that, either him or coach is going to have to give if this is how they're going to go. Because somebody has to take the fall for something like this. And they're either not going to renew him or they're going to renew him oh, yeah. and not keep the coach if they keep it up. That's what I was about to say. If they're going to keep Hopkins, or not Hopkins, Kyler, and if he wants to stay there and he acknowledges that, hey, I have a problem with Cliff Kingsbury, then Cliff Kingsbury is going to go. I think that's – I know they were they had a friendship and they were coaches and players in together in college, but I think overall this is just not working when one key piece of the offense is gone. Yeah, I agree. And as a, as a star quarterback, you should be able to make stars out of your players. And, you know, I know you need weapons for sure, but Ertz comes in, doesn't know the system, and he's a gangbuster. Green's been there all year, and you can't find chemistry with him from day one, you know, to week 18. Sad. I think it is. it does go back to the coach. I could be wrong, but I think yeah. in a few years we'll be – Seeing that Cliff Kingsbury, he's not pulling out what people can be pulled out. Like he's not pulling talent out of players. He's not making the players good. Zach yeah. Ertz has always been good. AJ Green is old. Right. He's in a new system. He's not getting the best out of him. Right. Hopkins has always been good. Kyler Murray can only do so much without Hopkins. He has to rely on Ertz, which he can't. It's it's just a sticky situation. I don't think yeah. that Kyler Murray coaching matters. Yeah, it's I think it's all scheme because yeah. you get Rondell Moore, who's an explosive, versatile wide receiver, and they barely use him. Yeah. They're relying on James Conner to run downfield and Kyler Murray to throw up 50-50 balls. It's not consistent. Yeah, and I think it's just one last thing. is You see when Hopkins isn't there, the offense completely changes to much safer. You saw one game, Colt McCoy, Rondell Moore was forced to be the number two or one mm-hmm. or two option in that game. He had 10 receptions for like 50 yards. They, they don't rely or try to be explosive without Hopkins. And as we saw against the Rams, especially Kyler Murray didn't try doing anything down the field. Basically everything was short, and if it didn't work, it didn't work. Yeah, and you mentioned coaching, Caleb. It's definitely coachly. You, you take an example of Dan Quinn coming in and seeing players like Brown and even Van Der Esch playing better under the coach. That's buying into the coaching scheme, buying into the system. That segues me to our next question, of course. Should we be worried about the Cowboys? Again, fandom is as it always is with Dallas Cowboy fans. I'm, I'm sorry I'm a part of this fraternity, but they're going crazy on social media and all over the media just saying, get rid of McCarthy, make a chain. Look, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. relax. Relax. I'm just going to say, most fan bases are way too impatient. And yes. when they go 8-8, eight and eight, they're like, next year's the year. But when we go 11 and whatever, 12-5, and five. it's fire the guy. That's every fan base ever. It's it's. I don't understand it. I think just give it time. I understand that there's bad games. I understand that Dallas played a bad game. Just give it time. And the OC is going to be moving out. It seems he has three interviews. He's he going to be moving be out. He's going to be gone. Let's start praying right now. <laughs> I'm oh. not that tribal about the Cowboys, but I like the Cowboys. I don't think that we should be worried about them per se. Okay. They mean Michael Gallup was hurt. You might not be there next year. Zeke, the scheme's just stale. I, I think yeah, that's the biggest problem. You. Offensive scheme's stale. Yep, the talent. Again, I'm not a Cowboys fan by any stretch, but I love this roster. I really do. When you look at the roster, I think they are one of the most talented rosters, at least on paper, in the entire league. I, I love so much about it. They've got some a good mix of vets with young players, such promising players on defense. I agree with Caleb. Just, you know, the offense being a bit stale, but the, the players are all there. I would not be concerned at all about the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I wouldn't be concerned at all either. I think the biggest problem is Kellen Moore and this offensive scheme and everything about that. The defense has very much so improved, and that's held 
where these games are essentially blowouts against the Cowboys. And I think that's the best part has been improvement on the defensive coaching. You saw the improvements that they made there, one of the worst in the league to one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I know they brought in Parsons and a couple of other other veterans from the Falcons, but it really wasn't that much different other than the coaching changing it from zero to top. And uh, you're seeing that on offense, I think. I, I don't play football. I'm not in the NFL or college or anything like that. But when I can sit there and pretty, pretty much – 50-50 predict what Kalen Moore is going to do. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, okay. I think that's the problem on this team. And I think that the players, as Tim was saying, one of the best rosters in football, very good roster. And I think the problem is Kellen Moore. Yeah. It is very predictable. And it was more predictable Jason Garrett. That was annoyingly predictable. I could say, oh, we're going to run up the middle on third down. It'll run yeah, up the middle. That's yeah, that's true. Predictable. It's almost that bad now, especially watching the underutilization of players like C.D. Lamb where he is wide open on a 30-yard uh, play and he has to run back 10 yards because – the play is not set up for I him. I promise you, I played football enough to know that when you run all these routes and there's nothing and you're open and there's nothing right. and you're open and it wears on you. But CeeDee Lamb will run for a first down and have to run back four yards and not get the first down. It's just weird schemes. It doesn't make sense. It should be more... More like you, we were talking about it when we watched it. More, or we were talking about it, Josh. It's yeah. more about, okay, if you need 10 yards, then why are you running eight yards and coming back four? Run, yeah. you know, run better routes, better spacing. They, they it's pl- scheme. It's they all scheme. Pl- yeah, yeah it's all, all scheme. scheme. They play him on the outside. He's very good in the interior side of the uh, of the field, and they play him a lot on the sideline where he ends up running back five yards to get back to the first down marker. Another problem is they have no motion. There's no nothing. Dak basically stands in the pocket. Everyone's on the sideline. He has to make a very difficult throw more often than not, and you see a problem with that as when his best plays in this offense during this game when he was on the move, hitting a receiver in stride, right whether it was Dalton Schultz or Slam or anybody, yeah. put it, put make the offense more creative. You're making Dak throw everything very difficultly to the sideline, and they just need to change it up. And you hit it on the nose because there was the drive in the game where he did roll out, and he started hitting tight end. He rolled out. He threw it in the middle and of the field up, to CD. It opened up where he got that rushing touchdown. Everything. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I hate to say it. Josh Hamby's a better OC <laughs> because every time you call <laughs> games, it's like, you're right. You're right. And I'm just frustrated. I think a couple things need to change for us to be okay. I think we, the key is keep Dan Quinn. The key is Mike McCarthy, please start calling plays. Mm-hmm. The key is Jerry, I'm glad that you kept your personnel guy. I was in the, in the news this week that he, because Jerry is letting go of things. Mm-hmm. He's accused of doing too much. Trust me, he, he lets his son draft. He listens to people. He's not a micromanager. Well, the drafting you can see night and day after yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> when he didn't take Johnny Manziel because his son took over. Yeah, and he hired that player personnel as well. My point is, just relax. Like, mm-hmm. Let's keep the pieces we need. Let's sign some free agents. Let's keep our foot on the gas. Because a lot of these games that were losses could have been wins. Yep. And, and vice versa, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, we have a high-powered offense. We have great offensive weapons. I'm not a big Zeke fan anymore. I think we should deal him, take the money, and pay someone else and just run them into the dirt like they do all young uh, running backs these days. It feels like they're all expendable because they have such a short shelf life. But um, relax. Let's just, you know, fandom. Calm down. We lost in the first round. It's terrible. It sucks. It's been like this for 25 years. I get it. Relax. Yeah, I was saying you should be more excited than worried, especially if Kellen Moore's out because you're seeing what the offense and what the team's doing already with 12 wins especially with this offense being very predictable. So this, I think there's more ceiling to this team, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we said it ten times, but scheme, motion, get movement on your offense. When you look at someone like the Packers, Aaron Jones is constantly in motion. They line him up outside a lot, and they're trying to do that with Zeke. Just have different options for the defense to be like, okay, what, why is Zeke over here? Why is, why is so-and-so over here? They don't do that enough. It's usually just a run up the middle, and it's just it's just would stale. It, would it kill you to run a wildcat once in a while? You know, mm-hmm. I, I know. No. Flea flicker, yeah. Yeah. yeah, double something. reverse, yeah, yeah, something. All right, let's move on. 
Uh, a lot of people are speculating. It seems pretty obvious that Big Ben is done, but the speculation is about the next chapter. So I asked the question, do the Steelers already have their man at quarterback in place on this roster? No. <laughs> you know, I love the crickets. Next question. Got, next I, question. I, I, I get, no, well, I, I got four for you that okay. I think could be viable options. Okay. Jameis Winston, yep. Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, or the man we mentioned previously, Jimmy G, who is still yes, I, I said that a few weeks playoffs. ago. I think that's I think that's, that's uh, realistic. You know, yeah, I, I think all four of those are definitely an upgrade over any quarterback that is on the current <laughs> roster, and I think all four of those, to varying degrees, fit more what Mike Tomlin's trying to do with this offense. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but they they need to be a more um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mobile offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, and just just being able to switch things up, and none of this averaging two yards a pass. My goodness <laughs> gracious! I can't it's say all four of those. I can't yeah. say not to cut you off, but yeah. unanimously, the guys with the helmets all agree that Mason Rudolph has the most punchable face in the NFL, <laughs> and yeah. I think the Browns would agree with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> emphatically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's a close second? There's someone else. No. Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew, Drew Locke. Locke. The yeah. second. That's our award this year, guys. And Zach most punchable face. Most Zach Wilson is three. three. <laughs> I'm sure Joe Burrow's on your list, but uh, yeah, I Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I digress. I think that's great. I think you're right, Tim. I think um, my question with Pittsburgh is: is do they have a style of GM that they're going to go after a veteran QB? I mean, traditionally, they I don't think they do. No, they don't. Um, right. They've also been fortunate to draft quarterbacks that have worked out, you know. But um, Duck Hodges, man, bring him back. There was a period, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the O'Donnell days, you right. know, where they didn't have it figured out at quarterback. Yeah, they had a bunch of handsome guys back there with mustaches, but they weren't getting it done. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested. I think this is the year they're going to get a bridge quarterback that we talked about a few weeks ago. Someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, not saying him. Mm-hmm. Someone that could fill in and get eight wins, maybe because they've already gone to the playoffs with a busted up Big Ben. <laughs> I think they get someone like Gardner Minshew in there, someone that is a step closer to what they actually want as far as mobility. And Minshew is way more mobile than Big Ben. Don't let me railroad you, but I was going to ask Josh, who's our source for everything that's true in football, was that really Fitzmagic at the Bills game shirtless? Yeah. My dude almost has a gut like Big Ben. What's going on with that? He's like 36. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is he not an active Washington football team quarterback? Like He's on their team. Yeah. Is that a Bills game? (laughs) Yeah. This, well, this, this is a team that drafted. I understand, uh, but I mean, conflict of interest? Odd, Maybe not. Odd, yeah. I digress. Big Ben, he's gone. Do they have the guy on the roster, Josh? Talk about it. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Get Mitchell Trubisky. I think I, I have Andy pro- Dalton. I th- oh. The problem is I think with Kevin Colburn, who's going to be retiring after this draft, he said he'll be due there for the draft. So the GM will still be there for the draft. Uh, I don't think – it doesn't sound like they're going to make a big move, especially with a new GM coming in yeah. for this season. So I – Unfortunately, I think they will start Mason Rudolph or will start Dwayne Haskins. And unfortunately, I think they will draft Talia Tagovailoa from Maryland because they always draft from Maryland for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Well. Matt Canada's from uh, Maryland as well. So I think you'll have basically a room of four or five guys that are all very similar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I don't. Th- I think they're definitely not going to have the guy of the future in this room. But I think for this season, unfortunately, probably will be one of those guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope. I sincerely hope. And I, I love what you said, Jameis Winston. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. Jimmy G, mm, I don't know if they can service that or not. But I think they could. You think so? I don't know He's if they're better OC. than two yards in yeah. attempt. Kirk Cousin yeah, would yeah. be fantastic. Mm-hmm. If they get oh, Watson, yeah. lights out. If they get Watson there, that's I enough. I want him to get Tua. Or, or Russell Wilson. 
Russell Wilson well, available. We're going to do a quarterback yeah. episode coming up in the offseason where we're just going to sit here and dissect this quarterback. Right. Russell Wilson. But let's let's move on. I, I I think for me, you're absolutely right. It's I, they're probably going to start as Josh said. I don't know if he said it off air. They're probably going to go with it. You know, with what they have, uh, and they'll figure it out. But who knows? Who knows? I hope they bring in someone for the sake of the franchise. All right, next question: Has has Aaron Donald done enough to unseat T.J. Watt as a defensive player of the year? He's breathing, and PFF keeps pumping him up. So, well, let me let me. Here's my disclaimer: I personally believe the NFL gets it wrong. I think they should have the player of the the year for the season MVP, all that done before you'd start your first playoff game. Announce it. Because to me, and I love you NFL, you're my boo, but you tend to let the playoffs sway who the MVPs and player of the year are. That's why I'm asking the questions. Has Aaron done enough now that TJ's out and he can keep getting Aaron, highlights? Aaron Donald is obviously the best defensive tackle in the league. Obviously. Okay. He's generational. Okay. Probably top 10 all time at the position. Gotcha. Easily. He's a three-time defensive player of the year because... People always say that he's double teamed. Mm-hmm. He's going up the middle of the line. You're always double teamed. Mm-hmm. That's an argument that you can make. But TJ Watt has missed two games, two or three games. Uh, I think he missed three or four. Yeah, yeah. with an ankle injury. And he still tied Michael Strahan for the most sacks in the season. I think TJ Watt should, in a fair world, win this, especially since Aaron Donald has won two of the last three. Kind of getting old seeing the same guy get it. Uh, it would be good to see T.J. Watt get it just because he's that good. And he got he tied the, the record in less than uh, three games less than Michael Strahan did. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm gonna, I say no. I think T.J. Watt should be locked for defense play of the year, especially because he did – If you, you could say he's he's now the holder of the all-time sack record or he tied the all-time sack record. Either way, he's at the top now with Michael Strahan. I think well, you saw a lot more game-changing plays from T.J. Watt. He saw games where he had three sacks, four sacks – Forced fumbles and multiple game stretches. Even he, against the Chiefs, he got that he, touchdown. He won games for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's the reason why they made it to the playoffs despite their quarterback not wanting to go there. <laughs> I think he, he showed up more often than Aaron Donald did, and I think a player also on the Steelers' defense, Cam Hayward, played just as good as Aaron Donald this year. This year, not his career, this year. And I think if there's contention for Aaron Donald to be Defense Player of the Year, there should also be one for Cam Hayward. But I do think that T.J. Watt, was the best defensive player this year in terms of game-changing plays, winning games, or all around. I think he's just the best this year. Yeah, I completely agree with Josh and Caleb. I think T.J. Watt, like Josh just said, made his team so much better. I think just him alone makes him win two or three more games. I'm not saying Aaron Donald doesn't, but Aaron Donald, just you've got to look at the talent surrounding Aaron Donald on both sides of the ball. That is a stacked roster. We were talking about the Cowboys with the stacked roster on paper. My goodness, the, da- uh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams. It's the almost like money a, can buy. Yeah, my goodness. It's like a <laughs> Madden football game that you'd create some of these players, uh, some of these teams. And so, um, and that doesn't take away Aaron Donald, like you said. Phenomenal. But no, TJ Watt should win that this year. Yeah, it seems like several players have had a better season and maybe more deserving this year. It doesn't diminish his Hall of Fame career. I just think that yeah, I agree 100. Uh, percent TJ, by all accounts, and and also let me let me asterisk that because he had a a tackle for loss, and I put it in quotations that should have been a sack. The quarterback didn't hand off the ball; he didn't get out of the pocket. That's a sack. So he technically should be Michael Strahan. I'm not discounting you, but it shouldn't be tied. He clearly in that game got a sack. He didn't get credit for. So mm-hmm. that's a shame. But he is the leader. I think he should get MVP. All right, next question: Would the Chargers have beaten this Chiefs team last week? 
No. If they'd gotten in. I don't think so. No? Nope. They couldn't beat the Raiders. Well, okay. But <laughs> so we know it's all about matchups. That's I why know. I asked the question. I think the Chiefs, they're too hot right now. Okay. It's going to take a lot to beat them. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. They play the Bills this week coming up. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. If they can topple the Bills pretty easily, then I think no one will be able to beat them. I don't think the Chiefs would or the Chargers wouldn't be able to beat them this week, especially on how hard they beat the Steelers. I think they're just playing the way they're supposed to. They're all humming on offense. Patrick Mahomes looks great. Didn't make many mistakes. They're playing really good, and they're at home, so there's nothing really you can do. I don't think the Chargers would have had a better chance than the, the Steelers did. Chargers are streaky. You know, we watch them. There's weeks where you go, man, they are phenomenal. And then there's weeks where you go, what are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Chiefs just have the other gear, you know, as we saw. And so, yeah, no, the, the Chiefs would have easily beaten the Chargers in a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, I think so as well. I think with the 40-plus points that the Chiefs put up, I think the Chargers, I don't think they would have played a, a better first-half defense as the Steelers did. They was very close for the first half. We obviously saw that change in the second half with all the large plays from Hill and Travis Kelsey multiple times. So I think uh, despite what the Chargers offense might have been able to do to keep it closer, I don't think they would have been able, been able to beat the Chiefs in this game. Yeah, I don't know. I I have this false hope for the Chargers that they're probably better than they are, and I feel like they fell short with the Raiders. And again, I blame some of it on their coaching. I think their coach tries to coach to win, you know, too much. Like, hey, I'm going to coach this win. You can't coach a win. You coach well, and your team can win. But I, I I'm not I'm not sure about that. But I do think the talent level goes toe to toe better than what we saw this week. So in that regard, I think they might have had a shot. I was going to say, from Brandon Staley, I'm, I'm glad to see that he's not playing scared to start off his career, but I would like to see him not try and win absolutely every game from their side of the field on the 18th yard line or anything like that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I was going to ask you guys the question about the hottest teams, but we're going to use that as we fuel these picks here for the week. We are now into our divisional round, which means you're going to get a Saturday 4.30 game, a Saturday night game, Sunday 3 o'clock game, and a Sunday 6.30 game. So these are the games. We've had the uh, the Titans and Green Bay got to sit and relax. And I know you're excited, Tim, because uh-huh. you guys are hosting the, the 49ers. But let's unpack them. Let me get your picks. Uh, let's start right off the bat. Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, what do you got? I have Derrick Henry winning this game. Is he back? He should be. They cleared him. They cleared him. Yeah. Healthy? Should be. So you have Derrick Henry. I think the whole mantra of the Bengals is controlling the ball and scoring fast. Yep. Outscoring the other team. Yep. I think with... The Titans, their defense kind of tightened it up towards the second half of the year, which is all Mike Vrabel. He should be coach of the year, in my opinion. But Derrick Henry is back. I think what they're going to do is kind of keep the clock running the entire game with Derrick Henry and try to run that clock out so Joe Burrow can't outscore them in this game. I think the Titans, being at home, being rested off the bye week, I think that they have a better shot at beating the Bengals than the Bengals do beating them. Okay. So you've got Tennessee. Yep. All right, Caleb's got Tennessee. Who's up? I'll also take Tennessee with the uh, caveat that Derrick Henry is playing. If Derrick Henry is not playing, oh, man, that makes a great <laughs> matchup. But but I, I love watching Derrick Henry play. So for, for the sake of just good football, I, I'll say Derrick Henry plays. I'll say Tennessee wins. I agree with you. You know, Bengals barely squeaked by uh, Oak, or, uh, Las Vegas, the Raiders, last week. And uh, this Tennessee team's just um, – a solid team, and I agree. Mike Vrabel's a phenomenal coach, and I think he'll have them prepared for this game. Yep, I'm also going to take the Titans in this game. I think they've consistently, with Derrick Henry playing, 
even without Derrick Henry playing against the Rams and such, they've beaten better teams more consistently. I know the Bengals did beat the Chiefs at the end of the season, but I know that the Titans have been with Derrick Henry a much one of the top teams in the NFL. Obviously, they got the bye week, but I think I'm going to pick the favorites here. I'm going to pick the the Titans. I think I think their offense is just a little more consistent with AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. I think it, it matches up pretty well with the Bengals, and I just think it's going to be a better game from them at home. Yeah, clean sweep. All the guys have gotten Tennessee to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Let me also caveat Derrick Henry. I'm not sure of the games, Josh. Tell me how many games Derrick Henry actually played. But for a guy who missed over half the season, I think, he still ended up on it as a top 10 rusher in this league. 937 <laughs> yards. Uh, which keep To put it in perspective, Elijah Mitchell, who also didn't get tons of snaps early. 11 games. Yeah, he finished with 963 yards, only 30 more yards, almost 30 yards. And Ezekiel Elliott, who was healthy most the se- most of the season, broke 1,000. Only 60 <laughs> more yards than a player who played half the season. He was playing on a yep. torn something, wasn't he? Yeah. Derrick Henry was playing hurt until he no, got I'm saying no, Zeke. Zeke, yeah. His yeah, knee. Yeah. Well, I know you're a hater, but. but no, I'm not a hater. It depends <laughs> on who you talk to. Because they, they definitely made him seem healthier than he was to get him out there, I think. That's but, football. Yeah, Derrick Henry yep. played eight games. Yep, so he played half a season, uh, he, and he put it on him, 937 yards. All right, let's move on to the Saturday night game, 815, San Francisco visits Atlanta. Well, we know the weather. That's important. <laughs> yeah, weather's supposed to be freezing cold. It's perfect. Nasty it's a Packers game. I know, it's perfect. A perfect Packers Aaron game. They're playing the SoCal team yeah, in Lambeau. That's right. So, the, so, yeah, the SoCal team comes in. Uh, anybody picking San Fran? Let me make it easy for you guys. I'm not picking Jimmy G and no wind or no snow. I'm not picking them now. So I <laughs> That's think a good point. Aaron Rodgers is rested. He has his linemen back. They're healthy. He has Devontae Adams. All right. And he was going to win the Super Bowls last year. Yeah. That's his plan. Tim, I don't have to ask you. He's drinking out of a Packers mug. He's <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, not joking, Jimmy G, but um, I, the Packers, this is their environment, their home game. I think they're, they're a better team. I think right now they have the momentum. Uh, hopefully this bye week didn't kill their momentum, but I do expect them to win against the 49ers. This 49ers start off, start off very game very hot, so if they don't start off this game very hot, I think there's a big chance for the Packers to capitalize, who have been consistent throughout the game for the most part of the whole season. Yeah, we uh, they we there you go. Come on, <laughs> the, the, there's the a Packers lot of French talking. The there's yeah. a lot of French. Yes, we oui, we oui. uh, Packers played Niners earlier in the year, and it, it took that 27 second drive at the end with Aaron Rodgers to get past him. But I just you know a lot changes from the beginning of the season to the end. I just feel like um, you know I, I feel like the like like uh, Caleb said, Packers are coming back healthy. We got Jair. They they've got Jair Alexander coming back. They've got David Bakhtiari coming back, and uh, just some, uh, you know, some well-rested one-two punch of of Aaron Jones and AJ mm-hmm. Dillon, and I, I just feel like there it might just be too much firepower for for the uh, for the Niners to keep up with. I don't doubt though that the Niners will be able to score points. I, I'm, yeah. you know, I, I think I In like the, the right. I, I I like the craftiness of the Niners' offense, and I'm not a hundred percent confident in the Packers' defense. It's better than what it was last year, but um, I could see this being a higher scoring game, even despite the weather. I could see it being you know like a thirty-eight. 24 type type Ooh. game or something like 38. that. 38. Yeah, maybe, Yeesh. maybe. <laughs> Five touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, all right, this game's a little tougher. Sunday at 3 o'clock. That's our first game on Sunday, so you guys have a chance to uh, get a nap in after you get home from church, I guess. But the char- um, Chargers, so the L.A. Rams, are, of course, visiting Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two sunny teams playing in a sunny Ooh. environment. That's, that's going to be a good one. 
Tim, just so you know, it'll be 15 degrees with a wind chill of six at kickoff. Oof, now, beautiful. for Packer fans, that's absolutely nothing. Right, yeah, but it hasn't top. dropped into the 20s here in weather. sunny Virginia. Right, yeah. yeah, that's flip flop <laughs> weather. Good gosh. All right, uh, who we got here, guys? Rams, Oof. Bucks, coming at you. This is a tough one. I'm going to break it down in my mind for okay. you. The Bucks, arguably a top three team in the league, one, two, or three, whoever you're asking. Their offense is banged up still. They have Mike Evans. Is Lenny back this game? I think he got cleared. Yeah, he, he should, should be. He should be back. So Leonard Fournette is back. Gronk's p- playing. Their O-lines. They, they lost some O-line in this last game. They lost Tristan Wirfs, and they kind of fell apart for a little bit when Tristan Wirfs fell out. They still won the game against the Eagles. It was really easy for them. But I think if Tristan Wirfs is banged up, the Rams will win this game. I think the Rams, their overall better team as a whole, they're more well-rounded. Their offense has a lot more weapons right now than the Bucks do. And if Tristan Wirfs is out, I could see Aaron Donald and Von Miller, who came on last game, mm. they're, they're going to eat them up on that right side. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to second what you said. You know, they, they just got done um, – <sighs> playing against Philadelphia with a mobile quarterback and um you know I think the Rams I just the Rams just have a better a way better team let's put it that way than the Philadelphia Eagles I was trying to think of how to say it tactfully but the Rams just have a much better team and I just I I love this matchup for the Rams I think uh, Tampa Bay is a, a great team but I think if anyone's gonna knock them off including the Packers, I think it's the Rams, to be honest with you. I, I, I like that matchup for the Rams. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Rams in this one. As Caleb was saying, missing Tristan Wirfs. He's never missed a snap in his career till last game. Uh, there's a possibility he does play, but I believe it is with a high ankle sprain. I think Bruce Arians kind of played it down, but I think the injury report during the game was high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And also the backup to Tristan Wirfs was out as well. So there's potential to be on the number three right tackle for this team, as well as other injuries on the offensive line. We saw Ryan Jensen leave in this game as well. So there's a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Running game, Lenny hasn't played in a while. And we also have one wide receiver in Mike Evans kind of stringing it together with Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Perriman, Cyril Grace, and a bunch of other names that have not been starters the whole year. So I think it's going to be stringing it more together against a team that has not been injured. As you're saying, a lot of players on the defensive line, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, they brought in veteran uh, Eric Weddle even for the secondary there are way more players on this team than the Buccaneers right now and I think uh, as we saw against the Cardinals very good well-rounded team they had injuries on offense they did not play well against this Rams team and I think there's too many weapons on this Rams team to to be stopped against the Buccaneers I think even who have holes in their secondary so you see OBJ did very well last game uh, uh, sorry not Beckham Beckham Cooper Cup Tyler Higbee the running game now Cam Akers is finally back that they're, 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 they're jealous. They're healthy. Not, no had, one's going to stop this very healthy. You had to know that Baker's watching You know, OBJ going, drop it, just right, drop yeah. it. You know? <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have been happy for yeah. this guy. I'm saying the, the Cardinals couldn't stop him. No one's been able to stop him. Their running game has been much better now, I think, this game, especially against the Cardinals. I just think they're a much more healthy, better team, not a lot of holes, and I think the Bucks do have a couple of holes against a very deep team. This point doesn't matter, but I made a joke like six or seven weeks ago that we're going to see two Super Bowls at home field advantage in a mm-hmm. row. Mm-hmm. The Bucks obviously won at home in the Super Bowl. I think that the Rams are going to win in SoFi. I was making jokes about it a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. it's looking like it's going to happen, especially with this matchup, how we're talking about their offensive line being banged up for the Bucks. And Brady better be careful because the Rams were coming at Kyler Murray, who is you mobile, know, yeah. a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Brady is not a mobile quarterback, no. so Brady better be careful. Well, I, I'm the lone wolf here, guys. I think that, you know, 
to to beat to be the best, you got to beat the best. And the Rams have to. This is a big step game for them. I hate to see them exit the playoffs this week because I like the team a lot. But I think Brady has a better line. He's going to be able to protect. You know, the potentially protect the ball a little better. They're banged up. Uh, they're banged up. But I mean, in general, they're a better line. I mean, what do you do with with you know those guys coming after you? They're a great defense. I just think the Bucks at home are are going to etch it out. You give him an opportunity to win the game. He's going to do it. He's like Aaron Rodgers. You give him a couple seconds on the clock and a few yards, he's going to get you there. So, I don't know. I'm going to just play lone wolf just for the sake of playing lone wolf. That is a good point. They could move Gronk and Bray over to the right side to help him out sure. and just rely on Mike Evans one-on-one, which right. it might work out for him. So, I think yeah. it's going to be a really close game. I just think, I think the Rams are going to win. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm just playing lone wolf here. Yeah, so. just for me, I would say the – they're, the matchups are pretty even or better for the Rams. I think Jalen Ramsey, who doesn't usually cover one man, if he was covering Mike Evans, I think that's fairly even. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I think it's more in favor for the Rams. So that's one of the reasons yeah. as well. And you put it on the other foot with this defense being healthy and seeing their safeties play. If Stafford has a weakness, it's sometimes he puts it up when he maybe shouldn't put it up. And this is not a defense that's going to let that go by. They will take advantage of that. It should be close. I'm just playing lone wolf. Final game. Buffalo Bills are going to visit the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead at 6.30 Sunday night. Sheesh. Guys, this one's a coin toss for me. Uh, to be frank, when it's a coin toss, I go with the home team. I'm going with KC because they're at home and it's tough to win an Arrowhead. There's my story. I'm sticking to it. What do you got? Uh, Y'all don't want to call it either. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'll you know, call the Chiefs, it. The Chiefs... Their defense has been playing good enough. They've been playing very good the last month. Mm-hmm. But they've been kind of streaky this year. Yeah. yeah. I think Josh Allen's hot. I, okay. I'm going to go Bills. All right. Caleb's got the Bills. I also am going with Buffalo. They pitched a perfect game. They literally scored on every single drive, which is so hard to do. Not just scored, scored a touchdown on every single drive. Now, that's against a Bill Belichick team, which is pretty impressive. Kansas City, they cannot afford a first quarter like they did against uh, Pittsburgh. If they... If they play like they did that first quarter, forget it. I, I think it's a close game. I shouldn't say forget it. But they, they just need to play a perfect game to uh, to do well against this Buffalo team. This Buffalo team is so hot. I know it's so hard to pick against Mahomes, um, but I, I'm going Buffalo. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Uh, we saw, I believe they had the most yards per game aside from the Cowboys in the league this year. And I think uh, the big change you saw, at least in the playoffs, was the running game. They can finally capitalize on scores much more than getting field goals. That's why you saw them score over 40 points. And you saw that a lot towards the end of the year when they had a rotation that was doing very well and scoring a lot. But you saw Jack McKinnon come out and play a very good game. I think if they have a very good running game in this game against the Buffalo Bills, which they have historically against them with Josh Allen there, they do try to overcompensate for Patrick Mahomes. I think the running game is going to do very well, and I think that's what puts the offense over the top for the Chiefs over the Bills for me. And we saw this matchup last year very similarly in the playoffs. I think I, I'm taking the Chiefs last year. I'm taking the Chiefs now. I think I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. I love it. So you make me not a lone wolf in this one. <laughs> and that makes me a very, very happy man. So it, it sounds like, and this is why I didn't ask you guys the questions, who's the hottest team in the NFC, who's the hottest team in the AFC? I think the consensus seems to be Buffalo's very hot. The Rams are very hot. So we're not going to do this. We're not going to give you our Super Bowl picks yet. Oh, I was going to say, let's do it. No, we're sitting on it. <laughs> people Chiefs, have been asking Chiefs. me. In fact, I was around a group of people uh, today who were like, I'd be curious to see what your squad's going to throw out there. I said, well, our squad's probably not going to agree, so you'll get each of our uh-huh. picks. But we're not ready to throw it out there yet. Not that it means anything, but we will revisit who we said week one might be in the Super Bowl when we give you our picks after this round. What do you think? You want to do it after this round, or you want to wait another It's too week? easy after this round. 
All right. So we'll we'll. How do you want to do it? To put it on the Instagram before we walk in. What do you want to do? I don't care. Not, I can pick it. I mean, I'll I go. can pick it too. But you I, know, I, okay. is now the time? I'll do mine. I don't care. Well, we do it together. Oh, uh, I'll do mine very quickly. <laughs> you you want to do? Let's just do it. I'll, I'll do mine. Yeah, let's do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a full on Super Bowl one remake here. We're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Oddly enough, they also did play in L.A. in Super Bowl one as well. So we're going Green ba- Bay one. We're so. going back to L.A. Okay. We're going with the same teams. I think those are the hottest teams in the NFL on both sides, for me at least. Okay, you've got Green Bay, KC. What was your week one prediction? Week one prediction, phew, a Green Bay Colts, I think. Okay. All right, Caleb. <sighs> I'm torn because I've been saying the SoFi Rams game, but I'm kind of kidding. I think it'll be Bills-Packers. So you're saying Buffalo-Green Bay. Yep. Okay. And you at the beginning of the year, you did not say that. No, I believe I said Bucks. My, my AFC team? I might have said Ravens. I'm not 100% certain. You That's did. before everyone was hurt. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. All right, Tim, do you remember so what you my, said at the beginning yeah, of the year? absolutely. My son and I, Ethan and I, sat down at the end of August, and we wrote down all our predictions for, for the standings and playoffs and everything, and I'm sticking with what I said all the way back at the end of August, which is the Buffalo Bills playing the Green Bay Packers. So that's the both? <laughs> you and, had it for your is and uh, was? Is and was, and you could tell. You're still I'll, alive. I'll tell you who's going to win that one. <laughs> see, I'm super torn because my heart wants to see, my heart wants to see an L.A. Rams Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. I think that I think Chiefs my Rams heart doesn't want to see that. <laughs> but all things considered, I believe it's Green Bay. KC. I originally said Tampa Bay. I know it's safe, but I thought Tampa Bay had enough pieces in place until they got destroyed with injuries. Mm -hmm. And KC, even though they started off slow. But I originally said Tampa Bay and KC. I'm saying Green Bay and KC. So there you go. We'll post it on the Instagram. You'll have all that. Well, that's next week. We'll we'll, well, let's get there. And then once we get (laughs) there, we'll give you our predictions. Uh, And my one sleeper, I will say, I know this is such a lame thing to throw in, the Tennessee Titans. We have not talked a lot about them, and and that could be, this will be answer the age-old question of does the buy help or does the buy make you rusty? But they could potentially, I know everybody loves the, including myself, the Chiefs and the Bills, one of those two teams repping um, in the Super Bowl. But the Tennessee Titans, uh, if Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, full back to himself, that could be. Don't forget, they'll have that home matchup in two weeks. If I know they make it out. that the Bills couldn't stop them when they played this year, mm-hmm. right? And so, I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to stop them, right? So and yeah, they have a good I'm shot. I'm not changing my. I'm not changing my prediction, <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's one team not to sleep on. The, the NFC is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Packers, the Rams, the Bucks, any of them can go. Yeah. I feel like the the Bills and the Chiefs who are playing each other this week are the two of the best in the AFC. I mean, the Titans and Bengals are just kind of a a yeah. gap between those those four teams. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see how the Bills are going to fare. Yeah, you know, I, like I told you last week, I talked to the two Bills fans that I know. One was highly optimistic. I did talk to Pastor Steve. He was highly optimistic they would win this round. I loved seeing him excited about it, by the way. And then my buddy Sean was not so sure they're going to make mm. it. So either way, they're both very, very excited. I will find out for sure because they're the only two Bills fans I really talked to. Um like I said, the Bills Mafia is not... Just go on the internet. And I told Sean, I said, hey, you know the Bills Mafia is like, they're lunatics. Like, they're crazy. Like, <laughs> other fandoms see them as crazy people, like WWE. 
uh, and his wife laughed, and she didn't disagree. Sean really didn't disagree. I mean, they, I mean, they, the Raiders are the same way too. Uh, yeah. They just wear spiky clothes <laughs> yeah. and look intimidating. They're weird. Like, they're not jumping off tables and sacrificing <laughs> animals in the tailgaters or whatever Buffalo's doing. Buffalo's got them on lock. Sacrificing animals. I don't know what they're doing in Buffalo, bro. It's it's a crazy thing. But yep, divisional round this week, and make sure you don't miss it. Like I said, two games each day. They're exciting. It's gonna be a gonna be a, it's gonna be a wild one i can't wait to see some of these for sure so guys once again we appreciate everybody tim always love having you hey, thank you guys uh, make sure you thank your wife for allowing you to be here <laughs> throughout the playoffs then we'll love give you it. a break hey if you enjoy listening to this podcast please take a moment and write us a review leave us a five-star rating it sounds simple but it really does help us out also remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you tell your friends about us we also post a weekly video on youtube so you can subscribe and follow us there and finally if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks Please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets. <laughs>